Hello, and this is Pondering Puton with Ajishiro Taro and Hachimitsu Boy. I'm Connor, and I'm here with my co-host, Neve. Hi, I'm Neve. Uh, after some discussion, there's been a lot of discussion today, um, but after some discussion, we've decided that this is a manga podcast, uh, and it's dedicated to Eiji Nonaka's manga series, Kumaiti High School. Uh, and today we uh, have read volume second chapter of volume two, which is titled The Meeting Goes On and On. Uh, and we definitely are not going to have a bit about meetings um, yeah. or things going on too long. Uh, um, I'm definitely not going to just spur of the moment decide to do like a bit about how this is a meeting. Uh, you saying that we would never do meetings and then me uh, starting this out like it was a meeting. Um, and then it's just uh, spiraling into to weird directions, which we eventually course correct uh, into you talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, and I did really... In- in this hypothetical scenario that didn't actually happen, I did really enjoy hearing that. Um, I was very happy for you. Um, at the same time, uh, in this hypothetical scenario, I, I tweeted a selfie to Locked about how you were telling me about the Jaguars because um, I was mostly just sitting there. Um, but <laughs> in this hypothetical scenario of the thing that we didn't record, we decided that some of it just like came off like a little too weird and awkward. Um, and... There's just stuff in it that we were happy with. Uh, so we decided to record again. Um, yeah, we definitely did not none record of that an episode of Puton that was so bad that we had to immediately burn it and never let it see the light of day. Yeah. That would never happen. Um, because you're listening to this. So, and this right. is the episode of Puton. Right, exactly. So, um, there's no possibility there's ever anything else. Um, so recently, um, I don't know how are you how familiar are you with uh, Japanese literature? Um, a little bit. So I've I've been getting into it recently. Yeah. Um, and I'm reading the Tale of Genji. Have you ever? Yeah, uh, I read re- that uh, a long time ago, so I don't remember too much of it. Um, and I want to re- re- re-read it because um, I have a, a nice copy that um, my Opa had. I don't know if I oh, read okay. all of it back in the day because um, I think it was, like, it was like a library copy or something. I never like owned mm-hmm. it. Um, but then my Opa had a really nice copy, and I got uh, that from him when he died. So, um, or Actually, I think it was when he, he moved from um, his like house to my parents' house and had to sort of pare down some of his... There's, like, multiple times he had to pare down books, but that, this was, like, the, the one where a number of us got books, so... Um. So at some point, you... I, I don't know if you'll remember it when... Remember, like, remember certain portions when I start uh, talking about it. I'm about, like, 200 pages in. Um, yeah. I think that the one I have is about 700 pages a little more than that um i'm really enjoying it the the first thing that happened was i got a uh like a digital copy but oh yeah it had a bunch of like strange typographical errors oh which i'm pretty sure were errors um yeah even though i i'm aware that like the original text is in um you're basically like you know, 
very, very old Japanese. And there's a lot of, uh, like debates about how things should be translated. There's still confusion about, um, like certain, the meanings of, of certain like words and, and elements of the text is my understanding. Yeah. Um, but this was just like, I, I think there were just typographical errors. So then I switched to, um, I'm using Libby to you like read a library copy oh, and yeah. it, it's, a, it's a lot cleaner. Uh, it's a very interesting book. There are some like portions of it where I'm just like, it's almost like strange to me that, uh, there are some parts of the book that are so bizarre that don't like pop up in any of the, it's, it's, it's so bizarre that I would expect it to be like among the first like five things that someone would say about this book. Yeah. Um, but like none of the materials that I saw. And it, and again, it wasn't just like, Oh, I'm reading like three sentences about the book. Like I read like, uh, an entry in like a survey of Japanese literature <laughs> about this book. And none of it mentions like there is like a pseudo sexual, like fixation with on like, a 10 or 11 year old girl. And then he like kidnaps her and just like raises her as his daughter. Uh, where I'm just like, what the hell? Uh, and I don't know like where this goes or whatever. Um, or, and I haven't, I'm sure that there's like many, many readings of this that are, um, appreciating like a level of nuance or like subtext or context that uh, I'm not picking up on, but just like reacting to it <laughs> in the moment. Um, and it's also in like situated in a series of like Genji, uh, these like affairs um, that he's having with like a number of different women Um including another like affair where he basically like kidnaps this woman and then takes her to like a secluded temple and she like dies. And then it's, yeah, it's a lot. Um, so I'm sticking with it, but, uh, I was like, it, it is a a book that's like pretty shocking at, at moments, uh, which is not something that you'll, You'll hear me say very much. Um, But the other thing that's interesting about it to me is, uh, so it was written by a woman. I'm sure you uh, remember that, that aspect. Yeah. um, Who's like one of the greatest authors in Japanese history. Yeah. There's some speculation um, around. So one of the things I do remember is uh, as it goes on, just like uh, increasingly becomes about like, him and his sexual conquests in a way where, um, like I know one of the, the reads of what's happening or, or like part of what the, the tale of Genji is one, it was probably written in parts and it was either written by her, uh, or her and other women. Um, and a lot of it is like fantasies of this, like hot guy who would come and like, 
you know, have these affairs with them. Um, especially as it goes on, it like, there's a certain amount to which like, uh, there's speculation. Are, are there other people writing chapters in, um, that are like their own fan fiction, but you know, that distinction doesn't really exist back then. So, yeah. um, yeah. Well, what, what I've gathered is that it eventually, um, like the narrative, my understanding is that the narrative eventually like pivots, um, and it becomes a much more like about like, um, political like intrigue and stuff. Yeah. And then like dynastic, uh, like, like generations of, of people. Uh, but I haven't gotten through it yet. Um, one of the things that did like stand out to me though, is how much the book is just about like, seemingly about like the suffering of women in this like period of, of time. Um, because the first 200 chapters are just like saturated with like all of these. And a lot of the times it's like brushed over or, um, relegated to the background. Um, but like it's everywhere. Uh, like the misfortunes that are like, that like women are subjected to in this period of time, including from like Genji, um, but also just like, uh, like spirits or like fate or whatever. Um, yeah. And so it, in spite of like the, the shocking moments that just like seem that seem repulsive. Uh, and again, I hesitate to like pass a final judgment or whatever. This is just like the like reactive aspect of me. Yeah. Um, like in, in spite of like these moments where I'm just like recoiling from it. Um, it's also like deeply moving uh, in a way that like, it's moving, like coming from a place that is like unexpected. Um, so I'm kind of like hooked into it while also just completely not understanding um, what's happening. But it seems like a weird combination of like deep empathy, but that like empathy can't really be like, like maybe it can't really be expressed like so directly um so it's like pushed out to these like margins um or like more obscure like elements and areas of the text um and then the central narrative of course like follows like you know this mythical like genji um like oh this hot guy who like is doing all of these conquests or whatever Um, and then we'll grow into like this, you know, legendary figure. Um, he's like doing all these things that like, you know, seem to just be like situated as like him building his legend. Um, 
but like around the margins uh, of the text, there's all of this like potentially very like critical and empathetic uh, material. So yeah, yeah, um, it's it's been quite an experience. Um, but anyway, I just uh, I figured that Kill of Genji would be good Puton material. Yeah. Uh, especially after um, my Jaguars bit didn't make it in. <laughs> uh, theoretically. Yeah, theoretically. That may have been like collateral damage. Um, but, yeah. you know, the Jaguars had a great season. That's uh, That's really the summary of it. Uh, so did you want to talk about the, the chapter at all? Um, of, of Cromartie high school. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a good chapter. I don't know if I have that yeah. much to say. Um, yeah. Um, I feel like in a lot of ways it's like back to, you know, so last time we talked about how, um, chapter 24 is a little bit of a. Uh, shift it like takes a bit that's established and then it um starts going in a new direction with it yeah this i felt like was a little bit more of a return to like a classic cromarty bit yeah um that i would expect uh maybe it's the biggest thing that's kind of uh unusual here is the like widening of the the scope um, you know, I, I feel like everything aside from like people going to fight, you know, bass high or whatever, um, for the most part, it all sort of is situated within Cromartie high school and the stuff where they are going to another one is like, Oh, we just need to save this person, um, who's there. And so I guess there's the, like the Mekazawa one the you know my old friend or whatever um but in general it's like from what we've seen from other schools it's not like quite as clear that just things are as uh weird as they are at Cromartie or like as wacky as they are at Cromartie high school um and i mean i i know some of the stuff that's going to come into the future it's going to get like lampooned how wacky uh, Cromartie High School is compared to the other schools. Um, this is a little bit more mundane. It's just like being uh, deeply distracted by somebody's nose hair. Um, but it is it is like, oh, okay, this like whole world is like this. It's not just the school. Um, you're getting a little bit of that going on here. That's a good point. Uh, I think also even with the um, Mekazawa chapter where he like meets his old friend or whatever and we see him tied up at the school yeah it doesn't really shift the setting um like yeah you you kind of know that you're at another school um but the school itself is not like really established or fleshed out um yeah at all and here yeah i can't even remember if it was um I I, mean, I never know if it's or, supposed to be bass or bass, but if it was yeah, if it was distraught or uh, bass, I think it's bass because they're all named after like baseball guys. 
Um, I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> you 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 know of a, ba- a baseball player named Bass? Um, where did that come from? <laughs> so this is um, let me look. This is just me knowing stuff about um, Cromartie High School. Oh, uh, like, okay, okay, yeah. Because um, Cromartie High School is named after um, somebody with with the name Cromartie. Okay, well that uh, that makes sense. I thought you were just like, I thought you just pulled that out of baseball knowledge. Warren Cromartie, maybe. Let me check. Um, I think it might be Warren Cromartie. Is but you're uh, saying Bass is another. Baseball yeah. Player. Yeah. Uh, and so is Destrad. They're they're all named after. Okay. Well, yeah. That players. that seems pretty definitive then. Yeah. Um. While you look that up, um, I'll just like comment and say, uh, yeah. The the sudden shift to to the other school is is nice. Um, I think that I agree with you that that's probably the the main like new thing that we get in this chapter. Uh, otherwise it seems like just kind of a recapitulation of the, I'll just call it like a Mekazawa style bit where it's like, you know, someone can't oh. say something. Uh, Randy Bass. That's who um, Bass High is named after. <laughs> you said, Oh, Randy Bass. Like, as if you had prior this knowledge is, of this is like, yeah, from I, somewhere else. Um, I do. I don't entirely remember why. Uh, I just know that he came up once around baseball stuff with like a friend group talking about baseball. Um, there's like something about around. Oh, he was also a senator. Um, oh, he's he's a member of the Oklahoma Senate. Okay. Yeah. Well, his Wikipedia photo is um, a little bit off-putting. Oh, did they all end up in the... So it says here, Japanese baseball career. Did they all have a, a Japanese baseball career? Cause He's in the, the Japanese Strad- Baseball Hall of Fame. <clears throat> oh. as, of, as of this year. He just got inducted. Yeah. Congratulations, Randy. Because uh, Destrad is named after Orestes Arrest, uh, Destrad. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, and he played on the for a while on the Nippon Professional Baseball for uh, the Cebu Lions. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're we're doing scholarship here. Yeah. Um, this is literary criticism. Now I need to try to remember. This is going to be far harder to remember how uh, Randy Bass came up in another aspect of my life. Hey, uh, it says right here that Warren Cromartie went into spring training 1975 competing for the open right field job, uh, but was sent to Expoville, the Expo's minor league complex in Daytona Beach. Oh, did he go away to Daytona? Yeah. They... Wow, interesting. 
Yeah, and then he was on the um ended up in the uh on the team uh Yomiura Giants for Nevo professional baseball. I have to admit that whenever we bring up um Daytona USA, let's go away on Yeah. Ghost Divers or Pondering Puton. I really want to just like yell out an attempt to like sing the chorus and hit that note. Yeah. But I just I'm I'm a little too I'm a little too cowardly to, to try it. Um It makes me feel a little better to admit that to everybody though. Yeah. So you just know like Daytona I know, like, there's such a, like, force behind it, though. Yeah. It's like he's, like, just, you can feel it, like, just the force in his diaphragm. Like, you can feel him gathering the breath and his diaphragm just, like, getting ready to just, like, push up. And it just, like, there's so much space in like that note uh like the daytona like those three syllables the way he delivers them yeah there's so much space in that it's just like it's actually like a very it sounds good like it's impressive singing he just yeah. nails it um you can tell he's like thing practiced it, I mean, it, it a lot it fits with the like it, it makes sense because um you know, he's a, a native Japanese speaker who's singing these um, English lyrics. But he does, uh, and, and it actually, like, really works with the way that he's belting it out to you. Um, where it's not uh, Daytona, it's Daytona. Daytona, like you get, exactly. Yeah, you get, like, Daytona. And just, Daytona. like, getting that, like, that E, just, like, uh, you get, like, a little bit extra push from the, like, E... Like going into the the towna, yeah, um, it leads it leads into it. Yeah, yeah, it's not just like all the syllables are like broken up. It's you have that like bridge from like Daytona, and it, it sets up like the toe is nice and punchy, like following right after that, and then it sets you yeah. up. It creates a space for just like the launch on the na. Yeah, um, it's re- it's really good. That's like, and just uh, ah, like that vowel sound, just really letting you like open up too. Yeah, he's uh, he, like he just opens his mouth like so wide, and it just projects. Like, it projects the sound yeah. so wide because he's just like, just blasting it. Um, but, but I think also getting that e because e is like the smallest uh, mouth that you make for vowels. Is like E. Like you like really like mm-hmm. push stuff up. Uh and then ah is like the that full opposite end where you're like pushing everything down. Um so I think that's also like contributing. You get like such a contrast there from the E yeah. to the ah. Yeah, know? like the constriction and then like the, the expansion on the ah. Um I'm just like I was just mouthing it while you were talking, just to like experience the like mouth mechanics of that yeah <laughs> of that chorus um and even the like 
just even pantomiming the the like mouth movement is really satisfying. It just such has got a, such a good flow to it. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate that the city is the way it is. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you know why? I mean, besides the obvious reason why I love the music to De- Daytona USA so much. Besides the obvious reason? I, yeah. You know, be, beyond that, <laughs> I have no idea. Um. So back in the day, uh, me and like a, a bunch of other friends would every uh, Friday night, basically like after dinner, we would get on Xbox Live and we would play the like Daytona USA online that they had there. This was after like, um, you know, undergrad and stuff where we had like gone to various other schools and cities and things. Um, and so we all got on Xbox 360, booted up Daytona USA, which is, uh, an old, like, you know, it's originally like an arcade game that like got ported to Sega Saturn. Um, and this was the, the like Xbox live arcade or whatever version of it. Um, but the graphics aren't like substantially different. Uh, and we were just like for hours, like it, we were just racing in that game. Um, and it's, there's only like three tracks in the game and it is Daytona. So you're just doing laps. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's like a very mechanically simple game. And so really it was just us hanging out. It was like an extremely like uh, low mental processing thing that we were doing right. while we were all on the Xbox live chat just like talking to each other over, you know, um, over the mics. Um, but, and then we, but we like started developing things over time too, where, uh, usually cause the group could get pretty big. Like we could fill out that room sometimes, um, was just like getting various friends to join. Um, and especially if we got a really large group, then like one or two people would start going in reverse around the track, uh, and specifically being like, you're not going to win, but that's not the point. Like you don't care about winning because it doesn't, it doesn't track like your laps going backwards. Um, but you would like try to hit people who were like in first to try and like knock them back and things. Right. Um, you're and just also like the, causing chaos. Yeah. And also, uh, Daytona USA is a game that's designed for just like going around a track one direction. That's like a very simple track. Uh, and so it does not have like complex hit detection. Um, like it's, it's designed so that you can like bump up against, you know, like Rubbin's racing. You can like rub up against each other as you're mm-hmm. like passing and kind of like maybe knock someone over into like a wall or something like it has that like crash detection. Um, I mean, it's not like doing damage to the cars really, uh, in a visible way, but like people will slow down and stuff if you're doing that. Um, it is not designed for two cars hitting head on. And so you get like bizarre glitches happening too. So, um, would it glitch out the game or would it just like the cars Would the cars just do something weird? Uh, I mean, it wouldn't just like, like the game wouldn't crash, but the cars would often do something weird. Um, one of the, I think the biggest thing that would glitch out is so like in the middle of the screen or, uh, I mean, if you look at like gameplay here, uh, there's like on your right side, I guess there, there's a, a little like traffic thing that kind of shows the cars around you. And then underneath it is like the track view. Um, and there you would see the like 
cars driving around the track and sometimes when you would do the head-on collision it would like break that little map so then the little like uh symbol for the the car going around the track would just like get unmoored from that and would just start like driving all around everyone's screen it was was bizarre (laughs) (laughs) that's nice um but yeah it was a lot of like uh you'd crash and then like uh briefly you're just like seeing the sky or something like you (laughs) you know yeah. Um, let's go away into the sky. Into the sky. <laughs> yeah. Into space where we can't breathe. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's nice. Did I ever tell you about the uh, <laughs> the when I played Cruising Exotica? Um. No. Yeah. I don't know how Cruising Exotica stacks up against Daytona USA, uh, but it was uh, N64. And yeah. I, I played it in college. I'm I'm certain that I've told the story about my like thesis procrastination. I'm pretty sure we did. Like I had a whole proton about it. Um, but in the midst of that time, like I was playing uh, Pokemon, but I also did Cruise Exotica. And yeah. um, when I was like five, my brother's four years older. He was nine. He played a lot of Cruise Exotica, really into cars, and. Uh, I never played it at all at that time, but I inherited all of the N64 stuff. So one day, just super high, desperate not to do work, I broke out the N64 and I was like, I'm just going to fucking play Cruising Exotica. So I started playing it. And then um, at a certain point, I saw like the high scores. It displayed it to me and my brother was on there. And I was like, you bastard. I'm going to like, I'm going to crush everything that your child self did. Um so I like cleared the entire game, basically. Thank you for joining us today. So next time we'll be reading chapter 26 from volume two. You can find the full schedule at exportaudio slash puton schedule. Exportaudio slash puton schedule. If you have questions for us, send them to ghostdriverspot at gmail.com. You can get early access to episodes of this podcast and many others by becoming a $1 patron of the network at exportaudio and listen a week before the public feeds. Or for $5, you get exclusive access to Pop Down Funko Weekly Podcast or Ottoman or Roll Random Funko Pop and have to watch something from that media franchise. $5 also gets you exclusive monthly bonus episodes of Coffee and Comic Books. If you listen to this podcast, you should really just think about doing the $5 here. I do it support the network um if you like this podcast please tell a friend you uh they can find the free feed at export audio slash puton or researching pondering puton on their podcast of choice if you like listening to us talk we do a lot more of that over at ghost divers which you can find at export audio slash ghost divers or by searching ghost divers in your podcast app of choice if theoretically we did have a recording that we scrapped we talked about iron-blooded orphans a fair amount on that and if you want to hear us actually talk a lot about iron-blooded orphans you can go to ghost divers we're about to start um it's it's gonna be fun you can find the show at Ponder Putan on Twitter or just at Putan on co-host. You can find me at VoxMomNia on Twitter and co-host where you can check my pin to tweet or pin to chost to find all the links to all of my podcasts. Where can people find you, Connor? Y'all can find me at Rabelais, R-A-B-B-L-E-A-I-S, on Twitter and co-host. And our opening theme is Ninga Nante by Yoshida Takaro, and taking us out today is On and On and On by Abba. Class, Class dismissed. dismissed.